This is the Dreamers Podcast, episode 56 with Andong Florinas. Today is February 8, 2022. There's something that sticks to me, which you've mentioned in one of your interviews, which is wanting to normalize Black wealth. And I thought to myself, I may be very private, but if I can provide information, which is power and empowering to somebody else like me, who looks like me, and share that story so that they can see that it's possible for them to achieve the same goal, if not even greater than that, then yes, why not? And so that's the reason why I decided to share so much of my story. Hello, world. Welcome to the Dreamers Podcast. I am Stephanie Annies, also known as Annies Wealth. I'm a financial coach and an author. I self-published my first book, Dream of Legacy, a guide to help dreamers reach financial independence and build generational wealth. In this podcast, I'll have conversations with experts and thought leaders who dare to follow their dreams. You'll hear about their journey and their money stories. I hope it inspires you, dreamers out there, to live life on your own terms. Come on, dreamers. Let's change the world. This podcast is brought to you by Dream of Legacy. Check out dreamoflegacy.com for resources to assist you on your journey to financial independence. Before we get into today's episode, please take a couple minutes to go into Apple Podcasts if you're listening from an Apple device to rate and review the podcast. If you appreciate the free resources that are provided in this podcast, then the best way to let me know is to do just that. Reviews help the podcast be more visible and it helps other dreamers discover the podcast. So thank you. I appreciate you. And now let's get back to today's episode. Hello. Welcome to the Dreamers Podcast. I'm your host, Anise Wealth, and I'm so glad that you're here for another episode of the Dreamers Podcast. This is the second episode of the month. And if you haven't gotten a chance to check out Rob and Rashawn Lee's episode last week about paying off debt and traveling the world, you should definitely check it out. Next week is going to be the one year anniversary of the podcast. It is amazing how time flies. And I cannot wait for you to tune in next week to hear about some of the lessons that I've learned this past year. But today's episode, I'm bringing on a special guest, one of my closest friends who has paid off over $200,000 of student loan debt in three years. Her name is Andon Florinas. Andon is a pharmacist who designs and oversees global clinical trials for cancer patients. In three years, her and her husband tackled over $200,000 of student loan debt in pursuit of financial freedom. They are now working towards reaching financial independence, to buy back time and focus on pursuing their passions. In this episode, Andon shares the number one lesson she learned graduating during the Great Recession and how she increased her salary from under $40,000 to uh, six figures. She shares the methods that her and her husband, Stelius, used to pay off this huge amount of debt in a short amount of time. Some of the mindset work that she did so that she wouldn't adjust to lifestyle creep. And she talks about the importance of accountability on a debt payoff journey or financial freedom journey. It was such a good conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here is Andong Florinas. 
Andong Florinas. Welcome to the Dreamers Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do? Yes, sure. So about me, the middle kid of five beautiful children to my parents. We are from Cameroon. We lived around the world growing up, which opened our eyes to different cultural settings and backgrounds and shaped who we are today. I am married. My husband and I live in California and I am a pharmacist by training. And currently I work as a pharmacist in the pharmaceutical industry and I design and oversee clinical trials for cancer patients. Can you share an early money memory that you have and how it impacted you? Being broke. <laughs> so in the Great Recession of 2007, 2009, I graduated from university with my undergrad in 2008. So right after that, even though I had my biological science degree, I was unable to find a job. And that was scary because I didn't have much to begin with. For a while there, I was unemployed. I could not pay any bill, which meant that I had to live with family members. Thank God for them. But nonetheless, that feeling of not being free to do what you need to or even pay your own bills was weighing very heavily on me. I did find a job through my aunt, but unfortunately wasn't in line with my profession. So I was a customer representative at a call center for six months working night shifts from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. It was horrific. I will never forget that experience, not just even being able to just live on my own. And I felt like I wasn't thriving pretty much. And that early money memory of just not being able to be financially independent has stayed with me to this very day. A lot of us who came of age during the Great Recession, I definitely left the recession with a different understanding of the value of money and work and even the possibility of having a job and your job being and the concept of it being secure. I'm curious to hear, though, how did your relationship with money evolve over the years? My relationship with money initially started with it has to be able to provide me and my family a level of comfort in terms of our living situation. That was about it. Not really thinking so much about the future, but being present and just being able to thrive off of what you make. And over time, it has evolved to not just living in the moment, but also thinking about the future. I mean, I don't want to be working past 50 optimally. So the question started being, what can I do to accelerate the timeline in such a way that I will no longer be working at a certain age? And that with that came in investing aggressively. And now my relationship with money is more of a strategic one. I definitely would like to make more so I can afford to live comfortably, but it cannot be at the expense of not being happy. So there's a trade-off in that. And just trying to find that balance is where I am in my life right now. I love what you just said, because sometimes we embark on this journey of continuing to chase money. And the question is, at what expense? Yeah, I think really money is a tool that we're supposed to use to make our lives better. And I also believe in just owning your time. Absolutely. You recently were featured in Business Insider. I mean, you and your husband for paying off $220,000 in student loans in, what, three years? 
Yeah. So, first of all, congratulations. Thank you so much. Can you walk us through how you got into debt and how did you pay it off so quickly? <laughs> I decided to enroll into pharmacy school and that cost a lot of money, but I ended up with over $170,000 worth of graduate loans. So there were three factors that kind of influenced my decision on tackling those loans. One was the fact that I was painfully aware <laughs> that student loan forgiveness after 20 to 25 years of steady repayment, it's not a relief from financial responsibility because the loan balance is actually taxable income. And I think a lot of people are not aware of that. So depending on the loan balance, especially if there's been high interest on those loans, it's going to be a hefty tax burden. And in my case, it definitely would have been. And then the other influence was my then fiance, who was my now husband. Before we tied the knot, we wanted to make sure they were on the same page financially. After looking at our finances, he realized that my loan balance was just so great. And within a year, I had over $15,000 of extra loans or extra money on the student loans that I'd taken out already. And so he was just amazed at how quickly the debt had risen in a short period of time. Was that interest in one year? Yeah. He looked at the SB 500 return. My loan interests were a bit more than that. And it just made sense for us to pay off the student debt first. And then the third influence was my financial coach, Agnes, who is a dear friend of mine. That's you. <laughs> You reinforced this notion by looking closely at my student loans and you calculated how much interest I would pay over time. You highlighted a few different scenarios that confirmed that repaying the student loans early and aggressively would outweigh any benefits that I would get repaying my loans in 20 years. So that was definitely a path towards financial freedom. So with that being said, November 2019 is when my husband and I started kicking off this journey of paying off the student debt within three years, both my undergrad and graduate loans. And so we decided to live off of one person's income. And in addition to that, we lived very frugally. So thanks to you, we had a budget template that we utilized and we went according to what's written in Dream of Legacy, which is we paid ourselves first. We tried to invest. We took care of all of our financial responsibilities. So we stuck to our budget lists every month and we took a look at it to look at our expenses and we adjusted our expenses accordingly. We're doing pretty well financially in our respective professions. We still lived below our means. In the Business Insider article, you talk about how you made a strategic move to take a lower salary temporarily to mm -hmm. earn more. Well, first of all, do you mind sharing before you started pharmacy school, how much were you earning? Not more than 40K. So you were making less than 40K. You decided to go to pharmacy school. So you went to pharmacy school for four years. And then you knew that by getting this degree, you would come out and make six figures. Yes. But I would like for you to talk a little bit about your decision after pharmacy school. Actually, I'll let you take it from there. So after pharmacy school, I decided to go into a postgraduate program, which is called a fellowship, so I could get into the pharmaceutical industry. That's a two-year program. And I knew that of all the different pharmacy settings that exist out there for us to practice in, I knew that the pharmaceutical industry would provide the highest earning potential in my career. So I chose the fellowship program as a means to get my foot in the door of the pharmaceutical industry. So at the time, I was not earning six figures at all. 
but the sacrifice was required in order for me to increase my salary exponentially in the pharmaceutical industry over the years. It shows the power of delayed gratification. You could right. take this job right now, the six-figure job right now, or you can go, quote-unquote, sacrifice two years. I think in the article, you said you were making 60000 in your fellowship program. Right. Knowing that you would leave two years later, earning at least 40% more of what your offer would have been. Absolutely. And that includes stocks as well, which is one good thing that the pharmaceutical industry offers its employees. As much as reducing or getting your expenses under control is important, investing is important, it's also very important to look for ways to increase your income if you want to become financially free. And I love that you touched on that in that article. Right. Because you said you guys live frugally, right? Right. Let's hear some of the sacrifices that you made during those three years to be able to pay off over $200,000 of debt in three years. Part of the three years, we had lived with his parents momentarily for a short period of time. So in terms of the rents that we were paying at that time, it was minimal. Was it an Airbnb or? Yes. So his parents are entrepreneurs and they own an Airbnb. And so it was a very, very small space, which was fantastic because we didn't need to furnish much in that space. And so we didn't need to spend a lot in that space as well. And again, because it's his parents, it was close to nothing. We we're paying close to nothing at the time. So that was a significant reduction in expense. When it came to traveling, we decided not to travel as much. We love traveling. And if we had it our way, we would have traveled a lot more. But we had decided not to do that so that we could save aggressively. In that period of three years, or I should say slightly before we even started on that journey, we tied the knot. And from my cultural background, there's two main types of celebrations when you get married. There is a traditional wedding, and then there is what we call a white wedding slash a church wedding. And that's what's generally expected. But we had a discussion and we decided to just have a traditional wedding and not go with the church wedding because we felt that that would be an additional expense and it would set us back on our track to achieve financial independence. So those were some of the strategies that we utilized throughout the time. So earlier you mentioned that before going into pharmacy school, you were making less than $40,000. And then you went into the fellowship program after graduating pharmacy school, earning 60K. And now you and your husband are earning multiple six figures. And you've made a lot of sacrifices to pay off debt so fast. I want to hear about how you prepared your mind so that you wouldn't upgrade your lifestyle after going from, at least for you, going from making 60000 as a fellow to earning well into six figures after completing your program. Right. I think being surrounded by people who champion your journey is probably one of the most detrimental steps in achieving financial independence. We are in a consumer's society, so it's so easy to go after the things that we want and not necessarily need. And I had two amazing accountability partners. One was obviously my husband, who he's always been the sort of person who's good with numbers. So I definitely had accountability from his end. And then the second person was you. You were my financial coach for a long time and reinforcing some of the ideas of just making sure that you achieve financial independence at an early age is something that you and I kept talking about. And so that, in a way, it shifted my mindset that this is possible. It's possible for me to tackle this debt and get rid of it as soon as possible. And I just stayed close to both of you throughout the entire time, and it helped me tremendously. 
Oh, yeah. Can you share some of the resources that helped you during that time when you were paying off debt, whether it's to get organized or podcasts that you listen to? I have to be completely honest. I don't think I did a lot of reading, so to speak, or listening to podcasts or anything of that nature. I came up with a mantra that kind of worked for me. And I just made sure that I stuck to that mantra. I'll never forget. And it's called Piper. It's P I. P-E-R and acronym P stands for plan, I for implement, P for pay. There's another P in there, which is praise. And then R stands for repeat. So the planning was important because obviously if you don't plan, you will fail at what you're trying to achieve. So we had a leaving Excel document that we had used to put all the information of my student loans in there, the loan amount, as well as the interest rate. And we utilize what we call the debt avalanche method, which is just an accelerated system to pay off your loan with the highest interest rate first. So that was part of the plan. Now, implementing that was important. So in addition to trying to save some money aside so as to pay off the student loans, we had to implement strategies to make sure that our other financial responsibilities were met as well. And that's where living off of one person's salary came about. So we implemented that. And pay is part of the acronym because every single time I had to push that button to pay my loan, a part of me died. <laughs> I did not want to do that, obviously. I wanted to use the money for something else. I mean, I'm human, right? I have my temptations here and there, but I stuck to it because I understood that the goal ahead of me was bigger than the need or the want that I had in the moment. And then praise is another part of this mantra because it's important to celebrate the small wins. Every time that we paid off one of the loans, my husband and I will celebrate because it's important to acknowledge that you're going towards the right direction here. And last but not least, obviously, just thank God for the ability to even pay some of the debt off. And R, which stands for repeat, is just repeat the process because every month was different. So we had to readjust as we went along. So you are a pretty private person. Why are you coming out and sharing this story? I had to ask myself that question. And there's something that sticks to me, which you've mentioned in one of your interviews, which is wanting to normalize Black wealth. And I thought to myself, I may be very private, but if I can provide information, which is power and empowering to somebody else like me who looks like me, and share that story so that they can see that it's possible for them to achieve the same goal, if not even greater than that, then yes, why not? And so that's the reason why I decided to share so much of my story. I love that. In the Business Insider article, you share that you and your husband, Stelios, were part of the FIRE movement. Yes. Tell us more about what it is and what attracted you to it. Oh, yeah. Well, FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. It is a movement that focuses on saving and investing aggressively so that you can retire early. And some people will invest at least more than 50% of your income in order to achieve that goal. I discovered it through you, <laughs> and Louise, when you asked me, what would your life look like if you weren't obliged to work? If you pursued your passions for the rest of your life. And I'm not going to lie. I was stunned because I never really thought about it. I could not answer. It never occurred to me that I was living in a prison. Hmm. I lived to work. I was not 
working for a living. And I was attracted to fire because it is in line with my personality. I love freedom. I want to do whatever I like, whenever I like it. And it just made sense. I mean, it resonated with my core. So to pursue fire, I realized I had to get rid of my debts. And the biggest one of which was my student loans. So what do you say to people who will tell you that, well, fire isn't exactly freedom because the pursuit of freedom might involve you having to almost starve to death? <laughs> <laughs> What does life look like for you guys now that you've paid off this debt? How aggressively are you saving or investing? But I would say that, no, I don't think that pursuing fire means that automatically you cannot enjoy life. I don't agree with that. We are in a consumer society. Things are constantly being thrown at us mm. all the time. So it's the other way around. We're so brainwashed by what society tells us we need to consume that we no longer recognize the difference between a want and a need. And so if you live below your means, it's really just about readjusting your mindset and understanding why you're doing it. In my case, like I said, and my husband's, we want to be able to live a free life and just pursue our passions in the near future. We want to be young enough to be able to pursue those passions. And as a result, it doesn't seem like we're missing out on anything else. We're actively working towards a goal. So yeah, I think it's about mindset for me. Right now, you guys still live on one income? We still do. You and your husband, Stelius, both work full-time jobs. You make a good living, but you share with me that you were actually in the process of getting a side hustle. Yes. Tell me more about that. I want to get a side hustle to achieve fire, obviously. And one of the ways of achieving fire is to save aggressively, but also increasing your income, right? So that is the reason why I am pursuing a side hustle is to increase the earnings that I have every year and hopefully invest some of that towards our fire number. So what's the side hustle? The side hustle is working part-time as a pharmacist in the community right now for two main reasons. Obviously, achieving my fire is important, but the second thing is also so that I can help with what's happening in our community and with the pandemic, just being able to have access to patients and provide care. When are you guys planning on retiring? So right now, we're hoping that it will be at the age of 50. We are trying to shave five years off of that right now. So that's yet to be seen, depending on how things evolve in the next three years. Any last words to share with dreamers who may be in debt or are looking to earn more money? If there's one thing that I'll take back is the fact that I deferred on my loans. After I graduated from pharmacy school, I was given a six-month grace period where I did not need to make any payments towards my loans so I could become more settled financially before I start paying on my loans. So I took advantage of that. And when I was in my fellowship program, my two-year fellowship program, I deferred on my loans yet again because I felt like I wasn't making enough money to hit the interest or the principal of my loans. Well, I accumulated over $50,000 worth of debt as a result of that decision. So if I could go back and change things, I would say 
I would try and pay off even the little that I had at the time with the little that I was making because that could have changed things drastically for me. So please do not put off paying off your debts, even if it looks like it's huge and you feel like you'll never be able to pay it off. It is possible if you have a plan and if you have the right environment that encourages you to look at your debt and pay it off as soon as possible. And while you guys were paying off debt, were you also investing? We took advantage of tax advantage retirement accounts. My husband took advantage of Roth 401k accounts all the while that we've been married. I changed my plan from a 401k to a Roth 401k now, and we both have health savings accounts. So we've been doing that. And we've also been investing in ETFs and low cost index funds. So that is what we've been trying to do so far. And I would say the other thing to maybe think about is having a personal finance coach, somebody who can help you along the way of making financial decisions for the future. So Andong, I'd like to end the interview with a round of rapid fire questions. You can just respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Tell me about a book that changed your perspective on life. The secrets change my perspective on life because self-talk or at least the thoughts that you allow to stay in your mind have a way of controlling your life. So what the secret allowed me to realize is that I have control over my thoughts. I have control over my life and the things that I tell myself, the things that I want to manifest in my life can be done through certain techniques which are in the book. And as a result, I've been able to use some of those techniques while paying off my debt. And I intend to do so as I embark on my next phase in this journey. What's one thing about money you wish you could tell your younger self? Do not be afraid to look at your debt. It's okay if it's huge, but if you're consistent at paying it off, it will eventually go away. Mm. What's the best investment in yourself you've made so far? Going to pharmacy school. Filling the blank in three words or less. Money to me is a stepping stone. What do you want your legacy to be? The impact I've had in my community. Well, Andong, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Can you tell listeners where to find you? Yes. So everyone, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Dongfak, D-O-N-G-F-A-C. But I also dabble with dancing. So if you wanted to check out my dance Instagram page, which is fitafreak, spelled F-I-T-A-F-R-I-Q, feel free to do so. Looking forward to answering any questions that you may have. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Likewise. All right. That was Andong Farinas. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to hear more about her story, make sure to check out the Business Insider article in the show notes. And next week coming up on the podcast is going to be the one year anniversary. Make sure you tune in for that. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Dreamers podcast. You can find the episode show notes and all of the links mentioned at dreamoflegacy.com. If you like today's episode, Here's what you can do to support me and help more dreamers discover the podcast. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review the podcast to help the podcast gain more visibility. Share the podcast with your family, friends, and coworkers. And if you really enjoyed today's episode, please take a second to tag me at thedreamers.podcast on Instagram and let me know what you liked about today's episode. All right, dreamers, that's it for today. I will see you back here next week 
for another episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Okay, Dreamers, time to build this legacy. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It is not intended to provide any tax, legal, financial planning, insurance, accounting, investment, or any other kind of professional advice or services. Please consult with an appropriate tax, financial, or legal professional to receive appropriate advice based on your situation. Mm-hmm.